Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio. And in today's episode, we have a brand new guest. Her name is Alec Britton. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to bring you on because I feel like you have been through a lot when it comes to your fitness journey. For those of you who are new here, Alec is a client of mine. I've posted her a handful of times here on like Instagram, social media in general. And um, Alec? you balance a lot of different things in your life. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself? Sure. So I have three kids. I'm a wife. I'm also a registered nurse. I work full time and I am currently working uh, into a transition of nutrition coaching. So I do balance a lot of things right now. I'm, I'm busy, but I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah I just finished prep as well. So <laughs> another full time job that I added. <laughs> yes, lots of um, pressure, I feel like and responsibilities. And I think oftentimes, um, people can get overwhelmed with things going on in their life when it comes to achieving their fitness goals. And you have been such a great example of regardless of the stressors going on around you, that you should still be making yourself a priority and still even chase the dreams and goals that you have for yourself when it comes to your fitness, despite again, having, you know, children and being a wife. And, um, I mean, even like having a home to take care of and a full-time job, you know, all of these responsibilities can get us to not think about ourselves and take care of ourselves, but you've been able to really persevere through everything. Yeah, so I felt like it was really important to me to have something for myself. Um, And as I dove in deeper into fitness, um, it just really was that time for myself to kind of take a break from, you know, being a mom, being a wife, being a nurse. And that was the time for myself. Um, And now it's become even more important because I see my kids watching me and my kids joining me. And so now I know that I'm obviously setting an example for them as well. So it's really important to me. And so everybody has a story of what got them into fitness, right? Nobody just wakes up and say, I want to be a bodybuilder. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little bit more about what got you involved in fitness. Um, Well, when I was when I was in high school, fitness was never really a thing for me. I never struggled with my weight. Um, I never actually gave any attention to my body image. I was just kind of going with the flow. And when I was about 19, I saw a picture of myself at the lake and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, that's when it kind of hits you and you're like, do I look like that? Because, you know, you see yourself every day and then it's like, you kind of slowly put on weight and things and it just kind of happens before your eyes. And so at that time I had realized that, you know, eating so much and not being as active and, you know, that when you're in that party phase, you kind of eventually put on this weight. And so I went to a quick fix right away. Um, That was when Herbalife was all the hype. And so I dove right into Herbalife 
and two shakes a day in one meal. And I thought that was going to just solve all my problems. And so it kind of started then. Um, that was now 11 years ago. And that's kind of when the whole yo-yo dieting thing started. Um, and I kind of became obsessed with just watching the scale, gaining weight, losing weight, doing all these drastic things. Um, I've done, you know, skinny teas and HCG and uh, keto and all of those different things where I was just on the wagon for a few months, um, losing all this weight and restricting myself. And then, you know, that only lasts so long until you give in and you're eating all the foods and gaining all the weight back. So that's kind of where it all started was 11 years ago. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's always been around quick fixes, right? Trying to basically be a miracle in a bottle or a miracle in a really restrictive protocol. And it, it can sound attractive because usually things like that promise quick results, which we, we have a problem, we want a solution right away, right? Nobody wants to be told that, hey, the solution's gonna be two, three years from now if there's a option of something being quicker. But I think oftentimes we also forget to think of what happens after that. And you get so stuck into, well, I can do these shakes or I can do this 1000 calorie protocol and then I'm going to reach my goal and everything's going to be perfect after that. But we neglect to get down to the roots of how we got there in the first place and work on solving the problem from there, which is usually the habits, the awareness of food, kind of that uncomfortable stuff that a lot of people don't want to change. Right. Yeah. So about two and a half years ago, three years ago, um, I was doing keto again <laughs> for like my fourth, fifth time. Um, because like I said, I would do it for a few months, lose a bunch of weight and uh, get tired of eating bacon and cheese for every meal and miss those carbs. And so I'd dive back in and gain all the weight back. But I had started keto again. And I was just watching, you know, a lot of different girls on YouTube, um, bikini competitors, Holly Baxter and seeing, oh my gosh, you know, this girl eats bread and she eats rice and she eats potatoes and she looks amazing. Um, and so that's when I kind of started diving deeper and following different bikini competitors and also seeing, you know, these girls look amazing and they eat all of these things that I'm not allowing myself to have. And that's whenever I really just started educating myself on macros. Um, and the idea was great. The thought that, wow, I can have all of these things and still achieve my goals. So that's kind of where it all started with actually tracking. Yeah. And, you know, at this time, were you resistance training at all or just doing cardio? What did the training side look like? So I went from not training at all. Um, this was actually when... Uh, COVID had just started. So I was working these crazy hours because daycare had shut down. So I didn't have anyone to keep my kids during the day. So I had to change my schedule. I was working from about six o'clock at night when my husband would get home from work, I would leave at six o'clock at night and then work till about four in the morning because he would have to leave the house at five in the morning. And then, you know, stay with the kids all day. So I was exhausted. Um, and I was also eating everything that I would feed them because I was 
tired and just shoving, you know, the easiest things in my mouth. Um, my sleep was extremely poor. I wasn't getting any exercise. So lots of factors had kind of just compiled to where I put on a lot of weight very quickly because like I said, nutrition was bad. There was no exercise and sleep was extremely poor. So I was not doing anything until I um, moved. We moved towns. And that's whenever I decided I was going to do keto to try and get some of this weight that I had gained during COVID off. Um, so the only training that I was doing at that time, I had a Peloton spin bike and I would do 30 minutes of spinning, 30 minutes to an hour of spinning about six days a week, uh, spin class. So no resist, no resistance training and just doing keto. So no carbs and lots of cardio. Gotcha. Not, not a lot of fun. Not a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and it was May, uh, in New Mexico and my spin bike, my Peloton spin bike was in my mother-in-law's garage. So, uh, and I would do it on my lunch hour. So the hottest part of the day. Yeah, that definitely sounds pretty, pretty rough. And I think a lot of people, again, going back to the quick fixes, it's like, I, I got to suffer for these results. Right. And then unfortunately you mentioned Holly back. So I know exactly who you're talking about. She's like right in the Tampa area. Um, you know, you see an amazing physique and you see all the food and you see the resistance training. And I still feel like there's people out there that don't believe it's possible. Right. I mean, even for myself, I'll post a bagel or I'll post all this rice and I'll get comments on like, are you going to eat all that? (laughs) It's like, yes, yes, I am. And it it can be confusing because it's like, you see all this conflicting stuff of eat so little, do all this cardio to get the physique you want. But when it gets flipped to 180 of, no, we need to eat enough. We need to eat a variety. We need to resistance train. It's like, well, how could that be true? But it sounds like you were kind of at your wits end and you're like, I just need to do something different because keep doing keto over and over again, isn't doing it for me. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like I had said, I had done keto so many times and obviously, you know, losing that initial weight and then gaining back pretty much double, it wasn't sustainable because I couldn't see my life without carbs. Um, And so that's whenever I dove deep into once I saw Holly Baxter and then kind of got more involved in different influencers, which I know influencers get a bad rap, but there is a certain few that will, you know, show you what they're eating and things like that. So at that point, I was just trying to find something that was sustainable. And so there's lots of, you know, influencers that would do like full days of eating or even grocery hauls. And here I am, you know, just shoving a handful of almonds in my mouth because you know, I couldn't have any carbs and seeing these girls fill their, fill their shopping carts with their, you know, grocery hauls with rice and bread and potatoes. And I was like, wow, you know, maybe, maybe there is something that I'm missing, you know, a bigger picture. So mm-hmm. that's whenever I dove, because I had never heard about macros before that time. So that's whenever I really dove deep trying to educate myself on what exactly it was. What was the biggest thing that helped you understand macro tracking and get consistent with hitting protocols? Because that's a big thing people struggle with when they want to start tracking is they they get the numbers and then they don't know what to do. Um, Again, just educating myself as much as I could. I listened to a ton of podcasts. Um, And I watched a lot of YouTube because even back then I didn't have any social media, I didn't have Instagram or anything like that. So it was really just all doing my own research. 
Um, at night when I was laying in bed and my husband was watching Netflix, I was on my phone reading um, blogs and just different kind of uh, research and things like that that would really help me understand because I didn't understand how many you know, gram or calories were in a gram of carbs or in a gram of fats, things like that. It was all new to me. So mm -hmm. once it piqued my curiosity, I just really dove headfirst into trying to learn as much about it as possible. Yeah. And I know that you, you mentioned that you're an RN, but would you say that the nutrition side of health gets heavily overlooked? Because I feel like a lot of RNs and even doctors get confused on macros. I mean, I've, I, I am currently working with some physicians right now and they had no idea of really what macros were. Yeah. So, I mean, I have my degree in nursing. I've been a nurse for 10 years now. Um, and it's crazy how much that the medical field does not know about nutrition. Um, to get my degree, I had to take one nutrition class. It was a brief chapter on macros, which was several years ago that I didn't even remember. Um, and so really, I mean, that's kind of what has drove me to now wanting to transition into coaching and really educating other women Mm -hmm. about macros is because I see so much of it in the medical field where it's very um, reactive versus proactive. And so that's really what has kind of made me so passionate about this. Yeah. It's such a evolving field too, nutrition. Cause even when I was going to school, I, um, I, my major was in exercise science, but my minor was in nutrition and like business management. But even in nutrition, it's like a lot of the stuff that they were even teaching at that time, it's like the textbooks couldn't keep up with it. And so you have to like, that's another thing is like, there's so much always coming out about nutrition. This is a evolving field. And I feel like we're just now learning more about it because it was like a fast food boom in like the fifties and like more processed foods like that we're living in a new era of food and so we're learning so much more about the body and the impact it has yeah I mean in and being a nurse we see so much of the chronic diseases the high blood pressure diabetes all of these chronic conditions that can be avoided really um, or even reversed in the early stages with just proper nutrition and exercise but that's not something that they really teach you they teach you more of how to manage it after it's already an issue so that's really you know it's it's really a hard thing to swallow whenever you know so much about nutrition now um, and then to see these patients come to you it's like my goodness this could have been avoided you know years ago if we would have been more proactive. Yeah. I mean, would you say that your career was also an influence on you really wanting to take more action on your health and with seeing some of your patients? Absolutely. I mean, with seeing, you know, patients that come to you after years and years of not having any exercise and having poor nutrition and seeing the way that that has affected their health. Um, obviously, you don't want that. But also, before I had moved, I had mentioned that I had moved. But before I moved, I worked in a long-term care facility. So seeing a lot of these patients where they had uh, limbs amputated because their diabetes was so bad, um, and even just seeing the you know the overweight population 
and the elderly that can't move and they, you know, require people to turn them over. And it's kind of like, you know, you don't want to be that person. You want to be, you don't want to be a burden to anybody else either. And the only way that you can do that is by taking your health into your own hands mm-hmm. now, um, yeah. not years later. Working out and paying attention to your nutrition can be so liberating. And I think a lot of people overlook how good it feels to take care of yourself. And um, just like from my, my background too, like if you were to look at my family, it doesn't make sense why I look the way I look. Um, a lot of my family is two, 300 pounds overweight, heart conditions, diabetes, all weight related illnesses. Right. Mm. But then <laughs> I'm a health and fitness coach. It's like, how did that happen? And the reason why I think it happened is because I was always involved in athletics as a kid. And of course I found an interest in nutrition. And so you do have the power to make a change. Don't ever feel like you're like a hopeless cause or that, oh, it's just my genetics. It's like, well, no one's genetics wants them to be sick, right? You know, our bodies want us to be healthy and function. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I I have the same Um, my family, you know, four people in my immediate family have had weight loss surgery. So if I wanted to blame, you know, my genetics, obviously for being 45 pounds heavier a couple of years ago, I could have easily done that. But um, you, you are not a product of your genetics. You can, your choices can obviously change the way that your health and your life want to go. So definitely we're not all just, you know, walking around with good genetics. It is a lot of hard work, but it does pay off. Yeah. So when did you start to notice that your hard work with tracking and was starting to pay off? And then what was influencing more influencing you more towards the resistance training? So it was really slow. Um, I mean, it still is really slow. And we say this all the time is it takes time. So I had noticed that um, I was just able more so I stopped, I actually put my scale under my bed. I stopped weighing myself. I would only allow myself to weigh once a month just because it was just every time I'd step on it, nothing would happen. And I'm like, you right away want to change your approach. But I was like, this time I'm just going to do what I, I think I need to do and just see it through. Um, so what had gradually happened is I just started feeling better and I was able to stay consistent. And that was the big change where I wasn't, you know, going really good on my diet from Monday through Thursday, and then Friday to Sunday, I was eating all the things. Um, So that is where I noticed the biggest change initially is that since I was allowing myself to have, you know, all the carbs and things like that during the week, I wasn't eating everything in sight over the weekend. Um, So really the consistency is what changed and made me want to stick to it longer. And then I noticed my clothes were fitting better and I felt better. And again, just watching, you know, what a lot of the bikini competitors were doing, they were not doing hours of spin class on the Peloton. And that's when I was like, okay, I need to pick up some weights. Um, But I worked out from home and I still work out from home because I have my kids and I have a really super busy schedule. So I just had dumbbells in my living room. And that's what I did for about six months until I was able to invest in a barbell. Um, And that's what I did. Have you ever trained in a normal gym? 
Um, yeah, years ago when I was in high school, I trained in a normal gym and then I trained in a normal gym before my, I had my daughter. So after my first son, but ever since I've been working out at home and my first son is 13 years old. So it's been a very long time. Oh my gosh. I'm going to take you through some shell shock when you come here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but that's super motivational because I know lots of moms, they don't have the time to go to the gym and they feel like I can't make progress at home or like, why even try? And it's like, no, like try even with, I mean, I think COVID taught a lot of people to adapt with what you have. When COVID happened, I had a one bedroom apartment and I had a 10 pound weight, 15 pound weight. Everything else was sold out because people bought it. And bands that's about it and so I had to make it work I had uh no cardio equipment luckily I lived in Florida so I could go outside for walks but walking in 95 degrees sucks and you know hey you you make it work and I think um a lot of women they can get inspired by like the fitness influencers right but I will never lie to someone I I'm lucky to be in the position that I am but it's not the same as everyone else. You know, this is my job. This is my career. So I do have the ability to pour more time into it, but I cannot expect the same out of someone else. You know, their life is totally different. Yeah. So when I was, when I first started and even, you know, now, I mean, my schedule is a little bit different, but I was working out because I I worked from home because of COVID. So I would work out my one hour lunch break from 12 to one in my living room with my dumbbells and my yoga mat on the floor. And that's how I would get it done because my kids were at school or at daycare at that time. That was my one hour to myself. And like I said, it was important to me and that's how it started. And it's just kind of evolved. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And so when you first started working with me, you were able to bring up your macros to a pretty high level and you definitely had a, a good amount of muscle mass on you. So what would you say was like the, the switch in making you want to take it to the next level and compete? I wanted something for myself. Um, I wanted a hobby for myself and something that really lit my fire. Um, my husband is really into hunting and he does that several times a year and he's super passionate about that. Um, you know, he's, he's missed certain events and things like that because that is his passion. And I didn't quite understand it for the longest time. I was actually really irritated with him of like, why is hunting so important? Um, you know, why are you going to miss these things to go hunting? But it wasn't until I found fitness and bodybuilding that I was like, okay, I get this, you know, I get it. That's your hobby. And I wanted that hobby for myself because I was always just the mom, the wife, the nurse. Um, and I felt like I had kind of lost myself. I was just there for everybody else. And I didn't have anything that actually that I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I loved, I loved working out. I loved fitness at that point. I was just dove headfirst into nutrition. Um, but I knew that I wanted to take myself, I wanted to push myself to the next level and challenge myself. Um, because I could see, you know, so much vlogs and things like that of where these girls were really struggling and pushing themselves. And 
I had mentioned in the past that I heard on a podcast that they had said, you know, 1% of the population does these bodybuilding competitions where they're actually able to step on stage. Mm -hmm. And I love a challenge. And that was just to me like, okay, you know, I'm so passionate about this and I want to push myself to the next level. I think that a lot of people overlook the unglamorous side of competing too. It's like they just see the end result and they think, oh, I want to do that. And they don't realize just how incredibly hard it is. Competing is one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, Definitely like top three up there. (laughs) And I like it. And I know lots of people don't like that because lots of people don't like stress, right? You're choosing to be stressed basically with competing because you're taking your body to a whole nother level with your body fat percentage. It doesn't matter how healthy you go about it. It's hard on the body. It's hard on relationships and time, time. And there's so much sacrifice involved. It's, it's a lot of work, but it's harder for a new competitor. Cause I know that you just competed for the first time, but once you're able to have a, a, a time on stage, there's something to compare it to, right? There's like a moment of like, okay, this is worth it. And if you're a brand new competitor out there, just know like in your first prep, it's going to be the hardest because you have no idea of what it's like once you reach that finish line. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was harder than I had ever anticipated. Um, just because it is like a full-time job. Your, your brain is constantly thinking of what you have to get done. Um, in addition to all of your normal life stressors, you know, in addition to working and being a mom and being a wife, and then you have meal prep and cardio and steps and training. So it was definitely more of a challenge than I ever had seen, but to be able to tap into that discipline and then have that final day where all of your hard work is kind of like, you know, this was, this was what I worked so hard for is very rewarding. Mm -hmm. It's a result of like extreme precision. And of course, that's not something that you can do long-term. But I think that you can learn a lot about yourself and it's a lot of like mental toughness as well. And even after competition, I know you're still working through your post-show now, but it's still like learning more about yourself and it's, um, yeah, I mean, that's why I like, it. I think that competing allows for you to just constantly be learning about yourself and it just can make you a stronger person. Yeah, I mean, I really liked the discipline that it took. I am a type of person that works really well under pressure. So knowing that I was going to be stepping on stage and um, that it was, you know, basically a competition for me to be better than myself and it really helped me just thrive. hmm and push on those hard days. How did you manage competing while managing everything else in your life? Um, Planning, honestly, planning and time management. There was a lot of, I mean, still to this day, I'm getting up at 4.30 in the morning just to get everything done. Mm -hmm. And really just making making that plan, making that routine and then sticking with it. Um, My husband had told me something a couple of months ago. I want to say it was maybe a month or two into prep and he had heard something and he said that 
um, he heard a quote that was saying, you know, don't negotiate with your schedule, with your planner. Basically, if you plan it, if it's on your schedule, like don't negotiate with it. So when I said to myself, I have to do my cardio at 430 in the morning, because that's the only time I have to do it. When my alarm went off, it was easy to say like, oh, well, maybe I can do it at this time, or maybe I can do it at this time. But it, that quote would go into my head of do not negotiate with your, with your schedule. Like it's scheduled at 4.30 in the morning, you get up and you get it done. And really that's the way that I just kind of thrived is continuing to schedule things and time management. Yeah, I um, I think that has a lot of reflection on other areas of your life too, because if you can't keep a promise to yourself, who else can you not keep a promise to, right? Right, and then it was kind of like, as I was able to, keep those promises, I gained more confidence in myself Um, because it wasn't like you set yourself up to do something and then you don't do it. And then you kind of lose that confidence. It was kind of, okay. I'm going to have to edit. I had Instacart come at the wrong time. That's okay. Oh, I put it for, I guess I put it to six to seven, but give me a second. I'll just have to edit around it. Oh, I know you're scary. Okay, I'm gonna put her in my bedroom. I'll be right back. Okay. At least it's easy with the audio because I can always see whenever it goes. <laughs> I'm like, I need to cut that out. Yeah. Um, okay, so we were talking about keeping promises to yourself. Yes. Okay. So with the keeping your promise promises to yourself, I um I mean, I, I know like when, if it, uh, I can talk, give me a second. <laughs> I need to gather myself. Gather I'm yourself. All, I'm all scrambled. <laughs> you're Dark. like, oh, I'm going to get, like, I'm going to get scrambled when I record myself. I'm like, that doesn't really happen. And then here I am. I'm like, I totally lost track of where we were at. It's okay. Okay. I'm trying to, because I don't know if I want to pick up right at that moment, because you're talking about keeping promises, and then I felt like you dived into something else. I think I was just saying that when you keep a promise to yourself, it actually makes you gain confidence in yourself, because you're able to make more promises, and you know that you kept them. Yeah, okay, so when you're keeping promises to yourself, I feel like it builds a lot of resilience, too, because the more that you end up doing that, the easier it is to continue that. Um, for myself, when I had things that I wasn't like super passionate about, like waking up really early for a class in college that I didn't really like, like art appreciation or something like that. Of course, I was hitting that snooze over and over again. But I actually started competing in college and I was passionate about getting that cardio done. I was passionate about waking up early so I can make my breakfast. And so when you have something that you're passionate about, that's going to light your fire, 
it's a lot easier to stay committed to that non-negotiable. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, they're lacking that passion and they're lacking that fire. So if you find that you're struggling with sticking to those non-negotiables, make sure that you're taking time to envision what my goal is. Why is this important to me? How am I going to feel when I reach my goal? Because when you can reflect on the best version of yourself or the version of that person that has achieved that goal, I think it's a lot easier to stick to those things. Right. And I mean, even whenever I wouldn't do those things. So if it was a day where I did hit the snooze, you know, too many times and I didn't get my cardio in, it was the stress that I felt too, that would obviously drive me for the next time, because now my whole day is thrown off and I have, and it's stressing me out because I have to find now somewhere to fit this cardio in, in my already busy schedule. So it's kind of those things where it's like, what do you need to get done? When do you need to do it to make your life easier? Um, So then the next time it's kind of like when you don't want to get up in the morning, if you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? Um, So kind of, you know, building on if you don't do it, then, you know, what, what if, what happens? Right. And I'm sure that there's times too, where you're going to have to, you know, multitask or um, really try to squeeze things in. And I, I hear the excuse of, I don't have the time to do X, Y, and Z. I get it. Everybody's got busy schedules, but I promise you, if you were to really take out Google calendar or take out an old school agenda and write out your day hour by hour, you're going to run into gaps of like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing from like five to six, or I don't know what I'm doing at like seven to eight, or maybe I'm sleeping seven to eight and I could actually get up earlier, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's important to really stay organized with your time because spending time on TikTok and Instagram and social media, just scrolling. I mean, you could be walking and scrolling, you know, you can still use that time and be productive towards your fitness goals, but you're not going to make time. You do have to find the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of one of the quotes that I always use is I don't have the time. I make the time Um, because I don't, I have tons of things that I need to be doing. And some days you think you have your entire day planned out and then your son's school calls that he's throwing up or you know you have these things planned out and something gets thrown at you so it's kind of like you have to make the time if it's important to you if you said it was important to you then you got to find a way to get it done what have your kids thought about you getting into like lifting because they've seen you not really do that too much I know that you have um your son's pretty young so he probably isn't like as aware as like your other two children but like what have their thoughts been on those transitions that you've made so my oldest actually didn't notice um the big like an actual transformation that I had made because he he sees me every day and I kind of changed right before his eyes but it wasn't until I was making a post for Instagram um kind of showing my transformation where he's like whoa you know I didn't even realize you looked like that so that kind of inspired him right away he's like I want to lift with you and what do I need to eat how much protein do I need to eat and things like that so it really did inspire him um of course just for a brief moment and then he was kind of like I don't actually I don't know that I actually want to do that at four in the morning five in the morning um 
my daughter, she is a competitive cheerleader. So she is, she's all into it. If I'm working out, she says, can I work out with you? And she's always wanting to, you know, mom, look how many pull-ups I can do. And uh, she'll tell me, or she even made a comment this, this weekend um, of whenever I ate, she's like, uh, how many, how much protein does that have? And so she's, she's catching on. She's only six, but I'm glad that she's having some awareness of, you know, what is going to her body. Yeah. For our audience. Um, it sounds like there's a horrible thunderstorm going on. There is. So sorry if you hear any rumbles in the background. Um, kids are smart too. I think a lot of parents don't realize how much they absorb and I mean, I don't have children, but like I've coached children and they're, they are smart. They, they know food, they understand it. And so I think oftentimes parents will have their kids eat completely different from them, you know, where if they want goldfish for dinner, they can have goldfish for dinner versus really working on having balanced meals and being an authority figure for their children. Um, how would you say that role has been for you through preparing meals like in prep or even just your day-to-day life and also making sure that everyone else in the family is happy too. At first it wasn't easy. Um, For a while I was the only one in my house that was you know, tracking macros or eating at home. My husband was going through the drive-through every single night and it was a struggle. So really just staying uh, consistent myself and persistent, you know, whenever we'd go through the drive-thru and he's like, do you want anything? Like, no, I'll eat at home. Um, and eventually, you know, your family will kind of, will join you once they see that you are making changes and feeling better. Um, as far as my kids go, my little one, he, he's only three and I've been on this, you know, tracking macros for about two and a half years. So the entire time, that's kind of all he's ever known. And he, you can tell because he'll choose a yogurt and strawberries, whereas my daughter will want, you know, the, the cereal and things like that. But now I'm kind of, I'm trying to educate her more without putting too much, you know, focus or restriction on it to where if she wants waffles, you can have your waffles, but what protein do you want with that? Mm-hmm. Um, so that way she's a little bit more aware of, you know, you can have all of these things, but you also have to have something that is going to, you know, benefit you with your sport as well. And I try and bring that to her attention is, you know, you want to be the best at your sport that you can be, you want to get strong. So we have to fuel our body, um, and our body. So really just kind of making her aware of those, those choices. I think it's very important that as a parent that you also don't tie in food with appearance, right? Like uh, you don't want, don't eat that. You don't want to get fat or that's really fattening or um, I'm eating celery because I want to be skinny or (laughs) whatever it might be because words like that are very dangerous and um, kids, again, kids are smart and they can overthink things. And even in the presence of, you know, social media and friends and, you know, even if your children don't have social media, maybe your friends do, you know, and, and friends talk. So it's important to be aware of how you talk about food. I mean, even for myself, I mean, I don't have children right now, but I always think about um, conversations I would have, or like if I were to be, if I were to be competing um how would I even handle taking check-in pictures or doing posing you know like 
and I think I don't think that there's a, a one right way to go about things. It's just about having the conversations with your kids and educating them on, you know, what you're doing if you're in prep or even with, again, the food sources. Yeah, I mean, that was, no one really knew. There was only a handful of people that knew that I was, you know, going to be competing. Um, and I didn't obviously bring it up to my daughter because she's only six. She has no idea what that was. But there was a morning where she came out and I was doing uh, posing. I had just finished posing practice. So I was in my suit and my heels. And she is like, why are you wearing that? And, you know, I had to compare it to her competition. And I told her, you know, you wear your your uniform, your uniform for your competition. And this is my uniform for my competition. Mm -hmm. um, and so really just kind of having to have that conversation with her because obviously, you know, it's, it's very little clothing and here I am walking around at five in the morning in my heels. So it was a little bit of shell shock for her, but um, she eventually was so excited. She was starting to count down the days to my competition towards the end and asking me if I was excited and do you think you're going to win and things like that. So really just making it um, normal. It's, it's the norm. This is what we do. We take care of ourselves. We pay attention to the food that we put in our body to make us stronger. And, um, you know, whenever we, we go for walks and things like that, we just say we're moving our body. So it's all about the context. Um, if you make it miserable, like I'm dieting and I'm hungry and I want to be skinny, like those are the things that your kids hear. And then of course they want to run as far from away from that as possible. Yeah. Well, it's like a restrictive mindset or an abundance mindset, right? I mean, even in prep, like I always try to keep my competitors in a um, level-headed place of like, this is a choice. This is a luxury. I mean, there's people out there who don't want to be hungry and they aren't choosing to be hungry or they're not choosing to lose weight, right? And in, co in uh, comparison, you know, maybe you're in prep and you're at 1500 calories and you're hungry. 1500 calories to someone else would just be like such a luxury to have. And so you have to keep that perspective too, because prep can also get miserable in a way. And so you can say, I only have a hundred grams of carbs to hit, or you can say, I get to have a hundred grams of carbs to have, and I get to have maybe my caramel rice cake or something that I look forward to. And so, yes, it can be hard at times, but it's still a blessing in other contexts. Um, let's talk about show day. How was that experience for you? Show day was great um, because all of the glam and seeing everything come together, um, you you see yourself every day. And so it's like you see those changes somewhat when you look back on progress pictures and things like that. But once you have your tan and your suit and the lighting and it all comes together, it's kind of like, wow, like I worked so hard and um it, you just, you feel, it feels really rewarding and you just kind of feel like, you know, you, you earned it. And then meeting all of those people there that have obviously put in all of that work and everyone deserves, you know, to be there. They've earned that, you know, that hard work and that discipline and kind of getting to connect with people with like, like mindsets and that know what you're going through. It was really nice to just kind of be surrounded by all of those girls. What was um, something that like surprised you on show day, like maybe a certain scenario or a situation that you think it would be like, and then you got there and it was different. What did that happen to happen for you? 
Um, how quickly things move, I guess. I was thinking I was going to have like more time where you're backstage and I guess the flow of things I figured was going to be different, but it goes from like doing nothing. You're kind of waiting around. And then all of a sudden everyone is frantic, like, okay, it's your turn to get on stage. And you're like, you know, sh shoving your, your uh, recess in your mouth and trying to pump up and everything is kind of like happened so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, that was something that I didn't really prepare for. And then uh, I kind of thought that I was going to connect with more girls, but some of them are not there to make friends. <laughs> so that was kind of, that was kind of like uh, disappointing because they weren't all very nice. And I guess seeing what some of the girls are eating backstage before you even go on to finals, that was shocking as well. Yeah, I, um, I think that a lot of people, I mean, being an adult and making friends is already hard enough, but in that space, I think oftentimes there's two types of competitors. There's competitors that are super focused and kind of like got a wall up and then you got other competitors that are very open and talking and I think for me, I've been, I've never been mean backstage by any means, but I've had competitions where I'm more quiet. And then I've had other ones where I'm more relaxed and we'll talk to people. Um, but if someone is, you know, giving you the wrong vibe, like don't, don't go by that energy. You know, you want to be yeah. in a positive place and, and the backstage and the the eating, I mean, I've seen people straight up like binge eating backstage and it is concerning. And I think that there's a huge overlook in the industry of people struggling with disordered like eating and they're using maybe preps to cover it up or, you know, maybe it got brought up during a prep or whatever it might be. Um, and it, it is concerning because you're like, why are people doing this? And it's like, you, you don't know, you don't know some of those struggles that they're having. And sure someone can be strict for so long just kind of like going back to the keto it's like yes you can follow whatever it might be for so long but eventually people have like a breaking point right yeah but no I mean show day just moved so quick um and that was something that I I didn't really expect um I guess just being kind of rushed yeah what is well let's say like two to three things two to three things that you want to improve for the next time you decide to compete? My tan. Um, I don't know what happened with my tan. I don't know if I needed to exfoliate more or if I needed to keep my skin more moisturized, but my tan, I feel like that really hurt me. And posing. I really want to focus more on posing and then just being more confident because I feel like I was in my head a lot. Um, you tend to kind of pick yourself apart of like what areas you're, you know, lacking in or what you feel like could have been stronger. And then when you're on stage and you have that in the back of your mind, I feel like that really kind of, you know, that really kind of comes across to the judges. So my tan, my posing and confidence, which confidence is something that obviously you can't teach anybody, um, but really just kind of knowing that I've put in the hard work, I've done everything that I needed to do to get there and bring in, being proud of the best package that I've brought. Would you say that competing has helped your confidence? 
I don't know that necessarily competing, like stepping on stage. I don't think that that has helped my confidence. I think what has helped my confidence is um, pushing myself out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And again, keeping those promises to myself. So doing, saying that I'm going to do something and then doing it no matter how hard it's gotten and pushing myself to do things that I never would have seen myself do like stepping on stage. Because if you would have told me three years ago that I would have stepped on that stage in the tiniest bikini that I've ever been in in my life, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, So really doing that and pushing myself out of my comfort zone and not caring because the old me cared so much about what people thought. Mm -hmm. And so being able to do that and not caring, you know, if somebody thought that I shouldn't, I didn't belong or I shouldn't have been doing that um, or just thinking, you know, people are talking about me or whatever it is. um, That is what has really built my confidence is, you know, just not caring about what anybody thinks about me and doing what made me happy and what made me proud. Mm -hmm. I think that I can relate on the like finding your own voice and standing up for yourself and and a lot of people be like oh I don't give any apps or whatever <laughs> and but honestly like with competing it really has made me turn into that person I, I don't really care what people think about me um I mean the only person I would really care would be like my husband and like the closest people to me but even then if they were to say something that I didn't really agree with, then it's like, well, I know myself, I know my truth. And I was actually listening to something that the other day. And this guy was saying, like, if someone were to tell you, like, I hate your blue hair, it wouldn't affect you, right? Because, you know, well, you guys can't see Alec, Alec has blonde hair. Um, The reason why it wouldn't affect you is because you know your truth, you know your reality. And so if someone were to say things about you or say whatever you're doing is stupid, you know your truth, you know your why, and you don't really owe anyone any sort of explanation of what you're doing. And so I think that competing can bring a lot of confidence for people and help them in a way find their voice versus seeking validation from other people. I mean, even getting, quote, validation from the judges, they're, you're going to have judges that aren't happy with what you bring, maybe, or maybe they think that something else can be better. I'm never like, oh, I'm not good enough or I need to work super hard for that judge's validation. It's also like, I will take their opinion into account, but it also doesn't have anything, like it's not related to who I am as a person. Right, yeah. I mean, going going back to what you said is, um, I've heard it before of where it can only affect you if it's something that you actually believe about yourself. Right. So, you know, giving somebody, you know, that control. But I I really think that's what has changed the most about me is that I just, I feel like I'm going to do what makes me happy and what I am passionate about. And that is what has brought me the most confidence is just knowing that at the end of the day, you know, if it's, if I'm doing something that's true to myself and I'm I've put forth the work to be there, then I'm just going to enjoy it. Do you feel like this whole journey has helped you find something that you're passionate about and help you find a little bit more of a piece of yourself versus just feeling like you're a mom and like a wife and like taking care of everyone else? Like, do you feel like that has happened for you? Absolutely. I mean, now I am so passionate about nutrition and fitness and 
um, trying to help others find that as well. But really what I've noticed more than anything is it's helped me find my voice to stand up for myself um, with, you know, even with my husband to where it's like he would, he was so used to me doing certain things and putting my time on the back burner to, you know, cater to everyone else's needs. And now it's like, I have found my voice to where I'm like, my time is just as important as everybody else's. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really has helped me find my voice and find myself again. Yeah. And I think um, the other thing too, is so many women and men, I mean, they want to support a partner, but then they don't vocalize their goals and they don't vocalize what they need from their partner. And so it's important to communicate what you need and how they can help you. And of course, vice versa. Um, But because if there is going to be a slight change in that dynamic, it has to be communicated with. Yeah. And I mean, that was really hard for him at first because for the last 10 years, I was a certain way. Um, And like I said, I didn't have anything that really fueled my fire. It was just, you know, being there for them and what they needed. Mm -hmm. Um, So whenever I started demanding that time for myself, it was a struggle. Um, And it did take a lot of conversations to where, you know, he was kind of like, you know, why, what, what's the big deal? He was, you know, why are steps that, you know, steps aren't that important. I'm like, steps are important to me. Um, And so having those conversations to kind of help him realize that it was a goal of mine and it was important to me. And like I said, if, if you're persistent um, and people see those changes and how you are happier and healthier and you have more energy and you're just believing in different things, um, eventually they kind of, they, they have no choice but to join you. So just take some time. Right. You're married. You have no choice. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> no, I think if they see it brings you joy, then, you know, I don't think shouldn't see the harm in it. And I'm lucky. I mean, when I met my husband, I was already, you know, competing and doing that. And it was more like, either you're you're here for for a long time or I'll see you see you later (laughs) but um it's still challenging I mean Jake has no no interest in competing and it's interesting because a lot of people when they meet me they think my husband competes too and that's not the case I mean I actually think if we both competed it would be a mess um and that's actually not something that I want and you don't have to do the thing, the same exact thing in order to be supportive. Um, you can still be supportive from afar and you can still not quite understand it all. That's completely fine. Like I know that he's expressed some interest in jujitsu. I've never done jujitsu. I've never really seen it before, but I could still be supportive of that. Right. And, um, you have to understand that everyone has different passions and that's okay. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, his, his passion is hunting and he, you know, he lives for that season. And a lot of, that was actually a lot of my leverage is like trying to get him to understand is like, okay, you know, you spend all of this time and all of this money and all of this focus on your hunting season. And this is my bodybuilding season, um, you know, where it's five months where I'm just dialed in and I may not be as present 24 seven and, and my goals may, may take me away a little bit, but um, it's a season and it's temporary and it's my passion. So really kind of trying to get him to realize that, you know, you have your hobby and I have mine and they don't have to be the same mm-hmm. um, because that's great. You know, it makes us different and, and that's fine. But at the same time, we have to respect each other's hobbies. Yeah. 
What would have been some piece of advice that you would have loved to give your 19 year old self when you were first trying to dabble into, you know, maybe improving your physique and your fitness goals? Uh, most importantly, probably to educate myself um, because I feel like I could have saved myself a lot of time, a lot of money, um, a lot of probably the things that I did that really negatively affected my health at the time. Um, lots of yo-yo dieting where I probably lost a lot of muscle mass that I originally had that I, I've had to work so hard to even try and get a portion of it back, but really just educating myself um, and being in it for the long run, not trying to rush it and diet for every event, um, every wedding, every vacation, um, and really just kind of putting forth the effort before you think that you you know, need not only paying attention, I think you actually did a post on this the other day is just not only paying attention to your nutrition, whenever it's, you know, convenient, whenever you have an event coming up, but actually, you know, focusing on on doing all of those things all the time. When you can like get in your head that there's no end date, I think that does two things to people. One is scares the shit out of them. But <laughs> two, it's, um, it's eye opening that like, what I'm doing right now, I need to be able to have these similar behaviors for a lifetime, right? I mean, I don't expect you at 80 to be using your food scale every single day tracking, but it's, it's the principles that you've learned through the experience that you've had now. Like you can definitely take that down, down the road for yourself. You're not going to take eating cheese and bacon every morning for yourself down the road. So it's like, what can I see myself doing for a long time? And when you recognize that there's no end date, then you're also releasing all this pressure on yourself. Like stop trying to reach your goal in 12 weeks or six months or a year. I mean, I've been involved in fitness. I started making tutorials at like 15 on YouTube and, you know, I'm now 27. I'm still not at my goal. And part of me could be like, oh, I'm so disappointed at you that you're not at your goal. But I recognize that I'll never be at my goal. And that's actually exciting because I'm excited to see what I'll look like at 30 and 35 and 40, because I know as I continue to stick to this lifestyle, it's just going to get better and better. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I mean, I had a, a client ask me just this morning because she's feeling overwhelmed. She's a mom. She works full time. She's all stressed and new to macros. And she's like, I feel like um, you know, can I just take a break? And I'm like, you absolutely cannot take a break from taking care of yourself. You know, can you take a break from brushing your teeth? Can you take a break from taking a shower? You know, this is your health. So you absolutely cannot take a break from your health. This is, this is a long-term thing. Um, so really kind of looking at it like that is, you know, obviously the goal is to not track macros for the rest of your life, but to gain that education to where, you don't have to be tracking, mm -hmm. um, but it's still going to always be the priority that you fuel your body appropriately. Yeah. And I think when you can recognize that it is like the highest form of self-care, it helps you a lot more to stick to it because um, self-care and having respect for yourself looks like taking care of yourself. And mm -hmm. that's really good advice that you mm -hmm. gave that client of yours. So the other thing is, what are some goals that you have or the future that you're excited about and you're working towards? Oh my gosh, I have, I have lots of goals. I have goals 
um, personal goals and fitness goals. Obviously, my fitness goals, I want to I wanna grow. Um, I am excited to put on more muscle and see, you know, where I can be by this time next year or in two years or in three years, um, because I love that part about bodybuilding, even if you're not competing, you're still, you know, building your body is that, like you said, your goal, um, you never reach your goal because as you evolve, your goals change. Um, I used to want to just be a certain number on the scale. And now I'm like, I just want to be, I want to have these killer delts and these killer glutes. So those are my fitness goals are to grow, are to grow. Um, and then professionally, I want to transition more into coaching and less into nursing um, because I want to be on the other side of health. I don't want to be seeing patients after years and years and years of um, poor nutrition and not exercising. I want to see the patients that, you know, just go to see their doctor and they are pre-diabetic or pre-hypertensive and they can come to me and I can get them to a place where they don't need medication mm -hmm. um, because they are able to adapt those daily habits that change their life. So professionally, that's my goal. Yeah. To be more like on the preventative side than the all right, let's manage this side. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So so expensive too, you know, managing it with all those medications and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, you only need more and more medication because you're only teaching them how to take a pill. You're not actually teaching them how to take care of themselves and not get worse. Mm -hmm. Um, so professionally, that's my goal. I am I'm studying for two different certifications right now. Um, I have my degree in nursing, so I feel like that helps me a lot just on the medical side of things, but my certifications and just kind of growing to be able to transition to the other side of, of health. Because yeah. health is obviously my passion. I've been in healthcare for 10 years, um, actually 13 years, because even before I was a nurse, I was a nursing assistant. Um, so I love health. I love being able to educate people, but right now I feel like I'm on the wrong side of health and on the opposite end of educate of the education that I want to be on. Yeah. Which I, I think is really, really cool. Um, all right. Well, I definitely think that this podcast was helpful. Sorry for the tropical storm going on, <laughs> but for anyone that is wanting to check out Alec and social media, I'm going to post her information down below. So you can um, go ahead and follow her, get into contact with her, tell her thank you for the, the great content. And do you have anything else that you want to say before we log off today? Um, just, you know, for everyone who doesn't think that they are ready or doesn't, you know, think that they belong maybe on that stage or um, pursuing these fitness goals that they have is you do belong and you're never going to be ready. So just dive in. Yeah, that's really good advice. So take action. I mean, you're a great example of that. And it's brought so many positive things in your life. Yes, it has. Thank you. 
Here on Beyond the Bikini, we talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be challenging to hit your fitness goals on your own. There is so much out there when it comes to working out, hitting your nutrition, and finding the plan that's right for you and your goals. Now, one thing that can make that a lot easier is hiring a coach and getting support towards your goals. I'm happy to say that I do offer online health and fitness coaching. I have plans that vary from support with training and nutrition and just your nutrition, and I even offer challenges throughout the year. If that sounds like something you're interested in, make sure you check out that description box down below. You can also find more details on my coaching services at NicoleFerrierFitness.com or even on Instagram at NicoleFerrierFitness. All right, now back to the episode.